Welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, Sean Donahue and Charlie Huang from NVIDIA will debate the increasing demands being seen on GPUs from the most unexpected workloads. Are GPUs still reserved only for the 3D CAD CAM operators and a luxury for the knowledge worker? You may be surprised with the answers to these questions and more. Let's join the conversation. All right. Welcome, 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 everybody back to the podcast. My name is Sean Donahue, and I have broken into the podcast studios, and I've pirated the microphone away from Angelo again, and we're going to do a special broadcast. Today, we're nerding out on GPU and vGPU, and that's why I'm so excited to have my guest from NVIDIA, the one, the only, the graphically, Charlie Huang. Charlie, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So excited to be here today and, and nerd out on vGPUs and GPUs and VDI. Great to be here. Oh, for sure. And and I, like I said, you're, uh, I share the sentiment, the emotion with you because it is very exciting love the GPU, love graphics and what they do for us. And I've been a longtime fan, uh, a longtime listener, first time caller for NVIDIA uh, going back to oh the early days of GTC uh, back when they held it uh, in, I think it was San Jose at like a, a Hilton or something. Um, it was yeah. very exciting back then, but it's only gotten more exciting uh, lately. But Charlie, how long you've, have you been with uh, NVIDIA? It's I've been years. at NVIDIA for, for over four years. I mean, it, it hasn't been too long, but it feels like a long time because um, the company's just kind of evolved and grown so fast. So it's, yeah. it's been an exciting place to be. And if I'm not mistaken... Um, the, it goes back to in some of the early uh, origins of NVIDIA was in was it in gaming? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, um, you know, kind of started out as a, a gaming, a, a graphics company, and it's really uh, evolved uh, beyond that. Gaming's still a very um, important and growing part of the business, but enterprise has been um, growing very quickly as well. And there's a lot of exciting stuff around professional visualization and, and artificial intelligence that just kind of goes across all uh, industries and, and enterprises. Yeah. I was just talking right before uh, we we lit up the microphones here. We were talking about AI and ML. And that is definitely uh, something I want to get into. So maybe if I don't screw this up royally, I can actually ask you back to on a later episode to talk about AI and ML in more depth. But today is all about the GPU. Um, and the like you said, the evolution of it and really it breaking into mainstream corporate America. And I was kind of uh, curious, Charlie, what, um, what you've seen from your seat, what are you, what are you seeing as far as the market growth and demand in VGPU? Yeah, for VGPU, um, boy, you know, we started this, uh, not sure when, when I, when I start, um, uh, you know, over four years ago, um, it, it was already uh, gaining a lot of momentum. And every year, um, there's just more and more demand for it. Um, you know, especially, uh, you know, coming out of the pandemic, um, it, that's really changed things, right? And so enterprises are investing in what, what's called a digital transformation, right? And, and, and 
VDI and, and user computing, it, it's huge now with, you know, with everyone more in a hybrid work model. I, I mean, for us here, both of us, for example, we're working from home, right? That's kind of the norm. And then going into the office, it's, um, it's kind of a, a part of it, but it's sort of optional. So it's not where everyone went into work um, every day like before. Now it's kind of a, a mix of both, right? And then also mm-hmm. with, you know, with some traveling opening up. So um, people want to have their compute wherever they are. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that, that market, it, it's expected to grow to $20 billion by uh, 2030. And then, wow. you know, uh, another stat uh, that I've seen is, um, you know, 40% of storage and, and compute will be um, as a service, you know, and, and, you know, some of these top challenges that the enterprises are facing as we're, they're going through this digital transformation is, um, user experience and security. Those are huge with people in different places rather than one central location. So yeah. um, this, this is a, um, you know, a, a, an area that continues to grow and becomes, uh, you know, more and more important. And I don't, uh, we're going to have to delete that out because I don't like my family to know I work from home. I kind of hide up here in the home office. They don't know where I am. And then, you know, I kind of appear later. So uh, but really? you, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. The VGP. I mean, I, I go back on the VGPU side of the the house back when uh, Nvidia and Citrix were, you know, really uh, specializing it and optimizing it. I should say uh, on Zen Server. And to see where it's evolved and the adoption that it's that it's uh, gone through since those days, and really, you know, the thing that I was struggling with back then was the just the use of a GPU. And I, I like how we used to describe it back then. But I, I I would love for you just as a level set for everybody who's listening out there today to kind of get wrap their head around what is what do we mean when we say VGPU? Like, you know, versus, of course, GPU. Um, but we used to describe it as like slicing and dicing the GPU across multiple virtual desktop sessions uh, on one, you know, underlying appliance. So one GPU, one physical GPU being able to be sliced and shared across multiple users uh, of a, a running shared desktop. So it's, how, how would you describe it, Charlie? Yeah, so the the investment on GPUs, you you have one GPU and it has so much compute power, right? For for graphics or and and AI, so much more power than let's say a, a single user um, may need. And you know, uh, enterprises want to maximize their return on investment in in these GPUs, and so with vGPU. You could fractionalize the GPU so you could put multiple VMs, multiple users mm-hmm. on it, right? And, and just get huge benefit out of just that one single GPU for many people. And so uh, you, you could have, you know, you and I could could be um, taking advantage of uh, great graphics performance on the same GPU. And, and we wouldn't mm-hmm. even know that we're sharing, you know, but we right. would say, hey, this is this is great. 
But um, yeah. in the end, so it's it's great for us as end users. It's great for IT, right? And it's not it's not as if we're butting into each other and you know, hey, you get your get your uh, hands off my GPU and get your chocolate out of my peanut butter. Get your peanut butter out of my chocolate. It's the best of of both worlds because we can fractionalize, like you said, that GPU. But more important than that, now I remember back to a demo I gave, and you know, it was a a healthcare demo, and it was running. A, a virtual desktop on a Chromebook, which did not have a lot of power to it. It was, uh, I, st- I literally stopped off at a Best Buy on my way to do the demo, bought the Chromebook, launched a virtual desktop session, and I was able to spin and rotate and manipulate a 3D model of a, of a heart. Um, from that Chromebook device. And it was all thanks to the virtual desktop running on the back end, but also running that underlying infrastructure with that vGPU. But our use of GPU today, and this is really where I wanted to go with this, it's not just for those specialized use cases. It's not just for the 3D models or the CAD CAM operators. It's really GPU has opened up to a lot more uh, uses. And I'm, I'm curious as to if you're seeing that or am I just making stuff up? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm exactly what you described. I, I'm not, I'm not power, like a graphical power user at all. I, I mean, what, what I use is, um, you know, Office, Microsoft Office or, um, you know, the Google G Suite. And, um, you know, it could be like Teams or Zoom. Uh, we we use a lot of, and just the video conferencing is driving up um, just a lot of need itself for you know uh, graphics performance, right? Um, it, you know when as as we're talking and if I when I see you on video, I like to see you clearly, right? Otherwise, why why turn on the video? So um, you know things keep get. Pushing up, it used to be just regular HD, then it's full HD. Now we have 4K, right? So this is right. the the kind of things that we're talking about. It's it's nothing where uh, it's out of the ordinary. It's all these common things, right? And then here here's another one. Um, I use Chrome, and you know I I don't know how many tabs you have open. I have at least like 30 in any given time. You know I'm I'm online. I have like 30, maybe 50 tabs open. And you know, yesterday it was all about bookmarking pages. Now it's about leaving the tab open so that you could go back to it, you know? Right. And that takes so much compute power. So when you think about, um, you know, a CPU, it, it's kind of general purpose. If you're trying to make it do everything, it won't be very good at one thing, right? So mm-hmm. let let a GPU do the work of the graphics part that it's really good at, right? And if you think about when when you're when you're on your VDI, you're pretty much looking at something, right? Anything that you're looking at is is going to require graphics. And you know, just on because it's a screen scrape of yeah. a virtual machine happening in the server. Or yeah. Yeah. And, and just to, and just to give you some like uh you know put some numbers to it, right? Um, if you look at the CPU uh, usage in 2019, uh, Teams used about 3% of the CPU uh, in one session, right? If you look at um, 
not even today, just like in one year in 2020, we're seeing, uh, you know, it uses 78% of the CPU, right? Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's teams. 19 was using 3% of the CPU capacity. And a year later, Teams 20 is using, what did you say? 78%. And this was- 78. Yeah. And this this is, uh, you know, um, a study done by Lakeside, Um, you know, not making these numbers up. And this is real usage. And this is something that, you know, you and I and, you know, all the enterprises use every day, right? And it, it's not just video conferencing or browsing. It's the OS as well. Um, if you look at Windows, um, it, you know, ch- just kind of the progression of it, it becomes nicer and nicer to use. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if I, I don't know if you use Windows, but, um, you know, when I upgrade to Windows 11, they've done a fantastic job with the the user interface. It, it looks beautiful, like everything that they have. And that continues to use more and more graphics to, to provide that better user experience, right? As, as they continue to evolve the OS. But I could instead, because you're right, Windows 11, Windows 10, Windows 11, really, I mean, and that's what I want to talk about as well, is how how hungry for the GPU these apps and even the operating system are. So I guess if you don't want to run Windows 95, you're going to have to deal with this and confront this GPU-hungry operating systems that we have. And it used to be Windows was getting more and more memory-hungry, was getting more and more CPU-hungry. But am I... Am I mistaken? Am I making it up that when you launch some apps, let's say it's Office productivity apps, let's say it's a Chrome browser, uh, or like you said, maybe uh, Teams or Zoom or any UCS, um, do they actually go looking for a GPU first? Uh, It it can, but typically when you're launching an application, it's going to launch the application. It's going to look at the... Um, uh, look for the CPU resources to launch the app, right? It's not until it yeah. needs to start rendering graphics that it'll go look to see if there's a GPU in which it could do the graphics compute on, right? So for example, we, we, I talked about Office productivity and Microsoft Office. You know, Excel by and large is going to use the CPU. But again, if you're using the CPU for everything like graphics, then it's just going to bog everything down, right? right. If you can offload the graphics stuff to the, the GPU. So for example, um, inevitably, if you're looking at any web page, there's going to be some kind of some images or maybe embedded videos, right? I mean, this is aside from, you know, you may be wanting to, you know, watch YouTube or ch- check your Facebook, Instagram or TikTok feed, Right. Um, right. Those will inevitably have some graphics or video that if, let's say you have Excel running, taking up, let's say, 63% of the, the CPU uh, utilization, then it's going to bog down some of the other things and ultimately mm-hmm. reduce the user experience, right? How fun it is to have everything slow and you're just waiting for things, right? Right. It, it's just, it's crazy to think of. Uh, it, it's so it just it it's so amazing today. If you look at that evolution, 
And in a virtual desktop environment, it's even more exacerbated because we've got the, the, the latency or the traffic that we have to span uh, across our network. And then if you think of the, the rendering that's going to have to take place on the virtual desktop uh, using a GPU or even a CPU, it's just whatever you can do to optimize and make that user experience better because nobody wants to have a lousy user experience. And then the employees start complaining, filing tickets, and they inevitably say, my Citrix, my virtual desktop, blank. Um, so it, it is crazy, crazy to think of. But I want to point out some stats that I recently heard and just get your kind of your first impression on them. There was some testing uh, that happened somewhat recently. And, and my understanding is, correct me when, where I'm wrong, using the NVIDIA uh, N-Vector benchmarking tool, um, the testing saw that a single A16 GPU could support 64 virtual desktops, and each one of those had two vCPUs and a gig frame buffer for the profiles per note. Now, I mean, that that just sounds... Amazing to me, but then, and you don't usually see this type of scalability, but if you were looking at two A16 cards uh, that had been installed, they actually, it went up to 128 uh, scalable sessions. Um, what's your experience or, or thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that, that, that was a great test that um, I saw, um, I think uh, Lee Caswell, right, um, from the Nutanix side published um, a blog. And I invite everyone, all our listeners to to go check it out because it's it's some fantastic tests that were run. Um, and, you know, 30% um, improvement in frames per second, you know, 120th of a second for latency. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's just incredible. Can you imagine doing your work on a laggy system where, there's a delay anytime you move the mouse or like type, you know, you, you type something and you wait like a second until it shows up on the screen. Um, and you have to deal with that kind of experience for what, eight hours plus a day, five days a week. Oh right. boy. I, <laughs> I need a vacation right away. I, I mean, it, it's, you have to be very patient if, if you're going to, you know, sit through that kind of experience. And so I don't think I have to I think, imagine it. I remember it oh, yeah. back um, dragging. Do you remember dragging windows, uh, a window across your windows operating system, of course, and just the black smear yeah. that would follow because it couldn't keep up with rendering the graphics. And those were the, yeah. you know, that happened in virtual desktop environments all the time and, as well. And that delay between, typing in something on your keyboard. And for me, I have to look at the keyboard when I type. I don't know what's going on on the screen. So it was, it was massive, well, massive pain in the Yeah, and, and what's what do you do to solve that? You just type slower or you move your mouse a lot slower, right? Right. And, and you know, you mentioned the, the Chromebook demo that, that you gave um, just earlier, right? It's funny you mentioned that because I'm a big uh, Chromebook advocate. I, I love using Chromebooks, and one of actually my favorite Chromebooks. It's it's um, kind of a lower end Chromebook um, with like an, an uh, you know a low end ARM 
um, CPU. Um, mm-hmm. There's no way I could do my work, work on that. And so I log on to my GPU accelerated VDI. Man, it's just like I, I'm on uh, like a gaming rig or something. It's it's incredible. You know, you connect it to an external monitor. It You would never guess that that Chromebook costs like $150. I kid you not. Right. And my primary setup is I'm running three WQHD um um, external monitors on a first generation Mac mini M1 ARM, ARM GPU. I mean, this is a, you know, a low end desktop, you know, mini desktop I got for maybe like 550 bucks, but it's running, uh, you know, three monitors like a champion, literally as if I had like a, you know, three, four, $5,000 workstation underneath my desk. And how old is that device? Cause that's the um, other Mac- benefit. It's whenever the uh, M1 chip came out. Must have been at least two years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's another beautiful use case here. You know, again tying all of this stuff together with that. You know, underpinning uh, hardware and hyperconverged, and you know the virtual desktops as well as the the vGPUs being able to extend the life of those devices. It, I mean, we haven't even touched on that, but no longer are we looking at what a three-year, three-year hardware refresh cycle. Um, we get easy five or or even more years out of them. Well, in a lot of these cases too, um, they they have these bring your own device policies, right? So I don't just use yeah. I mentioned Chromebook, but I have um, you know an IT device. I do stuff on my phone these days, and even tablet, right? So I'm running things on Android, on Chrome OS, on Mac OS, on Windows PC. So it's a hybrid workplace, but work from anywhere, anytime kind of environment, right? And this is what a GPU accelerated VDI um, enables workers to do. And, uh, you know what, I know we're we're, backs against the wall on time here, but I can't let you go without telling you, but I just did um, a webinar. Uh, it was a weird one. Uh, <laughs> I had an NFL coach. If you're a fan of the NFL uh, uh, listening in, I had a, uh, a guest on, Dave, Coach Dave Wanstat, who uh, coached the Bears. He coached the Dolphins. He's uh, such an impressive career. He has nothing to do with what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> I'm just name <laughs> dropping, I guess. But um, one of the uh, cases, case studies that I referenced uh, for our listeners was uh, a Cal State in Long Beach. And I love this use case because it is pandemic uh, driven, but that's, yeah, that's a milestone event for us, you know, um, which opened up the idea of remote and new learning models for their students. But even after the pandemic, uh, you may remember what it was like waiting in the lines to or signing the sign-up sheet to get computer lab time. Uh, and if you think of students who who work with CAD, uh, AutoCAD or CAD CAM, 
uh, applications, they need, you know, heavy, like we've been talking about, heavy duty compute power. And so there's always traditionally a long line, a long wait to get onto those specialized systems. Well, Cal State Long Beach actually deployed uh, Nutanix for EUC, Citrix for uh, VDI. I'm, I'm going to have to double check that one, but with NVIDIA uh, GPUs. And now the students, like we've been saying, they could ha- they actually didn't have to sign up for lab time anymore. They launched the virtual desktop that was GPU enabled. They sliced and diced the GPU and they were able to do those CAD, uh, AutoCAD projects Anywhere, dorm room, coffee shop, didn't matter. Who knows? It was frat house during a party. Who knows where they were doing it? It just didn't matter because it was the same experience that they had when they waited their turn for the computer lab. Such a great, great case study. That, by the way, is available on the Nutanix website. If you look for Cal State University, Long Beach, uh, you'll find that case study. But Charlie, I gotta, I cannot get away with uh, addressing you and not use my Boston accent. Charlie, this has been an awesome conversation. I love nerding out on GPU. I want to get you back on the AI ML stuff though on another one, but let me ask you this. Now that we've got listeners out there, they're fanning out over Charlie and they want to get more about NVIDIA GPUs, Nutanix, EUC, HCI, and virtual desktops, where do you think we should send them? Um, we, we, we have a number of resources. I'm not sure if there's any place that you could post the links, Sean. Um, there's, there's a number of blogs that we, um, that we wrote together. Um, I'd say start with nvidia.com and go to the virtualization page uh, to check that out. Um, Absolutely. Or just, just do a search on... Um, NVIDIA, VGPU, and Nutanix, and you'll see a bunch of um, great resources and the things that we've done together. Yeah, and I think we're going to make it easier for our listeners. We'll hyperlink uh, into the buffer, the the op- the abstract for the podcast. And we're going to bu- uh, link people out to, of course, the NVIDIA landing page, Nutanix's uh, landing page that has the NVIDIA tech partner, you know, focus on it, as well as I encourage you to jump over to the Nutanix.com forward slash blog site uh, and take a look at what the testing uh, results are. Uh, the author of the blog's name is Lee Caswell. Uh, so not only is he my skip level manager, great guy, very smart, uh, wicked smart, as we say in Boston, and uh, get that blog. It is, like I said, Nutanix.com slash blog, and you'll be able to find it there. But Charlie, it has been awesome. I love what's going on with GPU and where we're going. But this is my ending question for you, Charlie. If you were to look in your crystal ball, Three years down the road, where do you see the growth and demand of VGPU with virtual desktops on a Nutanix hyperconverged? Yeah, so I'd say kind of expanding with virtual desktops and even like, you know, virtual workstations kind of at the higher end. Some of the the trends that are kind of driving more graphics in that space are are things like um uh collaboration platforms, right? So um, NVIDIA has a collaboration platform called Omniverse. And this is 
essentially um, a solution for the metaverse, right? You hear a lot about the metaverse, that's all graphics, right? And so that's going to drive a, a lot of it. A lot of the um, XR, right? Um, NVIDIA has a, a, a solution called Cloud XR, uh, streaming, uh, augmented reality and virtual reality, that's going to become very big as well. So um, you'll see that really starting to pop up now and over the next three years, I'd say. Um, so, you know, as we talk about just kind of these everyday things that we do, everyday apps that we use, it's just going to get magnified as we get more into, uh, you know, the metaverse and augmented and virtual reality. Cool. That sounds awesome. Uh, and for the number of nerds out there, the testing that we referenced uh, in our earlier conversation was actually running on a Nutanix NX3155GNG8, just in case you were keeping score of that. But Charlie, I'm going to look for you in the metaverse and uh, <laughs> and hopefully hook up with you there. But uh, until then, we're going to have to say goodbye to everybody. And again, thanks, Angelo, for letting me uh, break into the studio here today. But we'll catch you all next time, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Sean and Charlie. I'm looking forward to the next conversation. To learn more, check out the show notes with links to resources at next.nutanix.com. With that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week.